Well, good morning. One more time. Good morning. Little better. Welcome to Wednesday Chapel. My name is Paul Brandis. I serve here as the chaplain of the college and the associate VP for student life. I am glad that you are joining us. Uh, in a couple of minutes, uh, we have a guest speaker today that I'm very excited about. Uh, Mike Jaderston serves as the director of students down at Eastminster Presbyterian Church, which is a church we've had a long history with here at Sterling College. Uh, and Mike and I have been friends. I know I always talk about being close personal friends with the chapel speakers, but legit, Mike and I have known one another for over 20 years. Uh, so he is a good friend uh, in life as well as in ministry, and I am thrilled for the message that he has for you today on forgiveness. Uh, so he's going to come in a couple of minutes and continue with us as we worship. Lord, it's such a joy to worship you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you're praiseworthy. Blessed be your name, Father. Thank you for all the good you've done for us. Pray that you will be done on this earth, Lord. Help us to follow you. Give us hearts that chase after you. Thank you for chasing after us first, Lord. Pray that you be thick in this room today, God. Be with our speaker today. Speak to our hearts through him, Lord. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. Good morning. It is great to be here. Uh, my name is Mike Jaderston. Uh, I'm a graduate of Sterling 2014, so it's, there's some nostalgia being back in this room, seeing the band, uh, just being in this place. So it is great to be here and grateful to Paul for the invitation. Um, also, shout out to the swimming, track, basketball team. That's an incredible accomplishment. Really, really cool. Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, Paul and I, we go way back, as he said, 20 years. That, that, Took me by surprise. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, I was in fifth grade when we first met. We moved to Gurney, Illinois. And uh, Paul, uh, as the kind man that he was, reached out to my older brother and, and me included and, and, and started a friendship. And uh, from the very beginning, uh, since I've known Paul, he has always been kind, compassionate, and gracious to me except once. I'm going to tell you about that story. So uh, we were uh, invited over to a, uh, we, we were just having some guys over, and I was the little brother that got to tag along. And uh, we were playing a board game known as Risk. Has anyone heard of it? Is this still a thing? When I was at Sterling, we would play this in Kilbourne Basement a lot, all right? If you don't know, Risk is a game, it's a board game, you're trying to take over territories, and uh, it's all about diplomacy and alliances and breaking alliances and making people mad. And I remember a specific game, Paul is doing very well, uh, and I decide, we, we have an alliance, I believe, we've, we've decided, hey, I'm not going to attack you, you don't attack me, it's all good. And then I just totally backstabbed him. I, I like blew through all of his territories, and uh, it, was a, it was a good strategic play. I stand by it. Uh, but Paul was not happy about it. And Paul went from kind, nice, gracious, inviting of the new, new kid to rage monster Paul, all right? And uh, he told me in that, day, he, he, in that game, he's like, I don't care whether I win or lose, my only goal is to destroy you. 
And I think you came through on that promise. Uh, And by the end of it, we're both just killing each other. Someone else is winning. I'm begging for forgiveness. And he's like, no way, man. And like from that day, you know, we still play board games, but we always remember that one one day. Um, I would have loved for you to forgive me that moment. But this morning, I I do want to talk about the, the topic of forgiveness, of forgiveness. What does it mean to forgive someone why should we forgive? And as I was starting to uh, prepare for this message, I came across this quote from Mark Twain. It says, forgiveness is the fragrance that the violent sheds on the heel that has crushed it. Okay? Now, first of all, I know this isn't a violet. It's yellow. Also, this is a fake flower. So the fragrance, that doesn't really work. But just imagine with me, all right? Forgiveness is the fragrance that the violet sheds on the heel that has crushed it. It's kind of a nice image to think about. And uh, uh, as I started to dig a little bit more into this and and read more, I actually found out there is some controversy to where this quote is attributed. Uh, In fact, uh, it wasn't Mark Twain. He was actually interviewing a patient at, this is from the literature, an insane asylum. And I think a more correct term today would be a mental hospital. But in there, this is what he quoted. So it wasn't actually his words. And so if I were to channel my inner Michael Scott, it may look a little bit more like this, right? You can see there's like a couple office fans. All right. Um, Right? But I think for most of us, if we're honest, the idea of forgiveness, especially in today's day and age, seems kind of insane. For our society and for our culture, forgiveness is not a category that gets much respect. We are about justice. We are about our pound of flesh. We are about canceling others, right? And you could argue there has been some good, obviously, from some of those things of of calling out injustice and evil, but I believe and contend that in the midst of that shift of society, we have lost the beauty and importance of what it means to forgive, what it means to forgive. Now, um, this is also not that different from the world that uh, Jesus and and the disciples were a part of. Uh, This world of of eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, Forgiveness was also kind of crazy in that day and age. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 18. If you like to follow along, I'm I'm going to be in Matthew 18, verses 21 through 35. And uh, I I just want us to examine this topic this morning of forgiveness. What does it mean? Why is forgiveness important to us today? I know for some of us in this room, especially if if you've been around the Christian story uh, and, and have been uh, immersed in the church. Forgiveness is a word you've heard a billion times. Right? God has forgiven our sins. We are to forgive others. Um, and at this point, you might have even become a little numb to it. For those of you who maybe haven't been raised in the church or, or aren't familiar with this story, uh, you might be thinking, what's the big deal? Why does forgiveness matter to me today? And I think after we unpack a little bit of this, my hope is that you may look at it a little bit differently. So after a, a conversation uh, about church discipline, the disciples are still struggling with this idea of forgiveness. They're like, well, how many times are we to forgive? And they say this, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, 
how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Now, obviously, he's not referring to a specific number. Seven was a number uh, signifying completion, fullness for the, for the, the, the Jews. And um, what Jesus is saying here is there's no expiration to forgiveness. It is something that you must practice and do over and over and over again. And then he goes into a parable. This is where we're going to spend most of our time. Verse 23, it says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. So this first image and picture and story is, is a glimpse of the goodness and mercy of this king. There was this huge debt, uh, something that you would never be able to pay back, and yet he cancels the debt to his servant. Now, before we go on, I want to just take a minute and, and uh, distinguish between two related but different words, uh, forgiveness and reconciliation. These are often used in the same, uh, you know, conversations, but there, there, uh, in this message, I, I hope to distinguish between them a little bit. Forgiveness is to cancel uh, the moral debt of another, to, to refuse to make another person pay for what they did. All right, so forgiveness, in a sense, is not dependent on the actions of another person. Forgiveness is something, through the Spirit's help, you can do to cancel, to absolve, to, to absorb the debt of another on yourself. Reconciliation, which we hope for and God uh, in, uh, calls us to, to seek, is when the two parties then can restore the relationship. Restore the relationship. And it is dependent on both parties. It must stem from a place of true repentance. And it, it is the total restoration of the relationship. And so, as Christians, we call ourselves a Christian, I believe we ought to seek reconciliation as much as we can. We are called to peace. We are called to, to forgive and to reconcile with our brothers and sisters and neighbors. But reconciliation is not always possible. And perhaps in some circumstances, is not always helpful. I remember speaking with a high school student, and we were talking about forgiveness, and she raised her hand, and, and she was talking about this wound that she had, and she said, what if the person you need to forgive has passed away? I'm like, that's a deep question. And in that circumstance, reconciliation won't take place on this side of eternity, but what I do believe is that person and the wound that she carried, she could learn to forgive. Does that make sense? So, forgiveness. The king forgives the debt of the servant. 
But look what happens immediately after he forgives his debt. When that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. So you have this incident where this this servant does not learn anything from his exchange with the king, goes and finds one servant who who owes him a measly hundred silver coins. This is minuscule compared to the debt he owed the king. Chokes him out and then has him thrown in prison until he can repay the debt. Here's what I want to point out in this story is that I see two distinct differences in the way the king deals with the servant and the servant deals with the fellow servant. First difference is this. The king spoke kindly and mercifully and and gently, you could say, to the servant. But what does the servant do to the fellow servant? He chokes him, right? King didn't do this. He chokes him out. He he assaults the man. He he bullies and, and intimidates this person. And the master didn't do this. I, I, this makes me think back to like uh, growing up in school and we would have these bullying seminars. Do you guys remember? Did you ever get talked about bullying? Um, we, and there, there was this phrase they would use a lot when they're describing bullies and, and, and why people would bully. And it was hurt people, hurt people. You familiar with that sentence? Right? Hurt people, hurt people. The idea is those who have been wounded, who've had things done to them, often will then turn around and hurt others. Richard Rohr says that any pain or tension that we do not transform, we will transmit. Any pain or tension that we do not transform, we will transmit. What am I saying by this? Hurt people hurt people. If we do not do something to deal with the pain and the wounds and the inflictions we've received as people to transform or restore it, we will inevitably transmit that pain unto others. Through our actions, through our words, this is what we do as broken people. And we'd all agree that in this world, we, all of us have experienced wounds, we've been hurt, some to varying levels, but all of us can point to moments in our life where we've been truly hurt and broken. And what God is saying and what Jesus wants us to know is that there is a way forward in which we do not have to transmit that pain onto others. There is a way of healing, of hope, and of transformation. And a lot of it starts with this idea of forgiveness. Parker Palmer Theologian says, the cross says the pain stops here. The way of the cross is a way of absorbing pain, 
not passing it on, a way that transforms pain from destructive impulse into creative power. Transforms pain from destructive impulse into creative power. Those who don't forgive or learn how to manage this pain will inevitably transmit it. They will choke out their brother or sister. They inflict damage on others. They live a life of bitterness, of anger, of resentment, and they would often seek revenge rather than reconciliation. But as I was researching, I found it interesting that it's not just that we hurt others when we have wounds, but this is actually hurting ourselves. Uh, Duke University School of Medicine uh, came out with this really fascinating study. They were looking at the causes of death for the uh, people in the United States. And they looked at, you know, cancer, heart disease, and all these different things. And what they came up with, and they titled their study, Hidden Death Syndrome, was this. At the root of all of these diseases, there was one um, common denominator. And it was people who harbored an emotional mindset of unforgiveness throughout their life experienced more and more of these things. That at the root of so much of the disease and illness that we face in this world, it comes from this hidden death syndrome, this harboring of unforgiveness, holding grudges against others. We either transform our pain or we transmit it. Now, I want to pause because I know when we're wading into these waters of pain, of Infliction, that, that this is heavy for some. And let me, let me make sure I'm being clear. Forgiveness does not mean we let people walk all over us. Forgiveness does not mean that we do not let legal action take its course if it needs to. Okay? It, it does not mean that we don't have justice for victims of abuse or oppression And it does not mean that the relationship with the abuser must go back to the way it was initially. Or that we must let abusive or toxic people back into our life. Right? Revenge is different than justice. What I mean by forgiveness, it is to cancel the moral debt of another person in the way of the cross and through the Spirit's help And this is why it is something everyone can do and why the scriptures make such a big deal about it. Because this is the way in which God is going to heal the world. So, that was difference number one, okay? Number two, let's keep going. We we see that the servant had a uh, completely different plan, a method for getting his uh, payment back. Right? So the king um, had uh, told the servant at first, we will sell your family to repay the debt. And at first you're kind of like, oof, that's, that's kind of intense. But I think if you actually look in the context of where this is being spoken and what they would have known about the, the law, this is actually somewhat of a merciful act. Uh, because we see in, in Leviticus, I think there's a callback to, to this law. It says, if any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. 
They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. Then they and their children are to be released. Saying, in this where you are indebted to this person, do not do something evil. But this is a gracious act. But what does the servant do? The servant has the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. Not work for me as a hired hand, as an equal, until you make it back. No, this was actually a death sentence. Because the one thing you cannot do in prison is make back the money that you owe the man. So even though it was this minuscule amount, it was actually a death sentence. It's saying, I'm, you are going to be put into prison and you'll never be able to make this back. It's an unpayable debt, which I believe helps explain the intensity of the last part of the parable. It says this, the master called the servant in. You wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is, uh, at the end, what we see here is not just the king flipping out. But what he's doing, the king is simply giving to the servant the punishment that the servant created for the other. Do you see that? He's saying, if this is what you're going to do to your fellow servant, then you are going to have to endure this yourself. The torture, the, the, the imprisonment that you created for another, you are going to experience it. And I believe, in summary, what Jesus is trying to communicate to his disciples is if you do not learn to forgive, you will live forever as a prisoner to your own pain and the pain that you have created and are creating for others. This is how my Heavenly Father will treat each of you. We either transmit, we have to transform our pain through the power of the cross. I uh, saw this, hap, uh, the power of forgiveness uh, on a summer retreat. I'm a youth, like Paul I'm a youth pastor, and we were... Uh, on a, a summer camp with a bunch of students, and it was uh, middle school students, and we had a, a speaker do a practice where they asked all the students to think about something someone has said that wounded them, that they've been holding on to. And they gave them all index cards, and they, um, they wrote down what was said and who said it. And from that, uh, we, we, they took the... Uh, card, and we walked over to a big fire, right? Youth ministry, we love big fires, all right? So we go to this fire, and the speaker says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Look at that card. I want you to hold it in your hand, and I want you to squeeze as hard as you can. And then when I say I want you to release it and throw it into the fire, and when you do, I want you to imagine the person on that card burning in flames. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. That would be awful. Sorry. Bad joke. All right. Um, what he really said, <laughs> I should have wrote cross that one out. All right. What he, he didn't say that. That would be culty and weird. But what he did say, <laughs> hold on to it. 
recover. All right. And, and release that debt into the flames. And what I will say is the Spirit fell on our group that night. For the first time, we saw students being honest about real stuff that they were facing, stuff, uh, things about divorce, of separation, of, of, of abuse, that, that for some reason when we invited students to say, hey, is there someone in your life you need to forgive? And gave them a space to do so. It was incredibly powerful. Incredibly powerful. We have to forgive if we want to see God's healing work take place in our lives and in the lives around us. And I believe, uh, you know, like the, the little Mark Twain quote, like all of us, in a sense, have been crushed at some point. Like we've been under someone's heel. We've been hurt. We've been wounded. We've been abandoned. We've uh, been excluded. And it hurts. But I believe that the gospel says, and the gospel means that we do not have to stay there. It reminds me of the first gospel declaration in Scripture. If you're familiar, in Genesis 3.15, there's a a phrase um, uh, called the Proto-Evangelium, the the, the first gospel message where uh, God says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. All right, talking about Eve and this, this serpent, this evil one. And it says, he will crush your head, you will strike his heel, that this, the serpent will strike his heel, and he will crush your head, crush the evil one, all right? If you're in, maybe in your ministry classes, you might have, might have come across this. We get a picture of how God is going to deal with evil in this world, and I don't know about you, but whenever I read that, I always imagined Jesus with like this ripped leg, like Jesus never missed leg day, and he just, just pummels the snake. But the scandalous message of the gospel is that the way God crushes the evil one is by being crushed, right? Isaiah 53.5, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Friends, I believe at the cross we see God doing visibly and cosmically what every human being will have to do to someone else. In Colossians 3, Ephesians 4, we see over and over in Scripture, it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And this is why forgiveness is so hard. This is why forgiveness is so hard. Suffering is the currency of forgiveness. Forgiveness is willful suffering. You are absorbing the debt on yourself. Taking the cost of it completely on yourself instead of taking it out on the other person. And it may feel like death. It is a form of suffering. But the good news is that it's a death that leads us to resurrection instead of the lifelong living death of bitterness of cynicism, and transmitting your pain on others. I want to leave on a practical note, because I know this is a lot, and you're like, okay, yeah, maybe the Lord has laid someone on your life. You know that there's someone 
that you are holding on to a pain or a wound or a comment and God is inviting you to forgive them. How do you go about and do that? I'm just going to throw out a couple of practices uh, that you may experiment with. Um, first one uh, is called reflection using the senses. This will be maybe for some of you who are more artistic, creative. Uh, but to imagine uh, the person that has harmed you and then imagine through each of the five, sentence, five senses what forgiveness feels, looks, sounds, smells like. So what does forgiveness sound like? What, imagine forgiveness had a face. What would it look like? If, uh, if you could hold forgiveness in your hands with this person, what would, it, uh, what would it feel like? For some of you, you're like, what in the world? All right, then that one's not for you, all right? Um, another one is a prayer walk. I would suggest that you begin the prayer walk with the image of the person or what happened in your mind and to clench your fists and then walk. And as you pray and you intentionally release the debt to the Lord, let your hands open up. Third one would be to write a letter. Write a letter of forgiveness to the person who has wronged you. Tell them what you are forgiving them for. Imagine them sitting next to you and read them the letter. And, and if you are even so brave, perhaps at some point, read the letter actually to them. Now again, this is, I don't want to oversimplify this. This is tough. This, the spirit needs to be at this. It takes time. The reason I called this talk the practice of forgiveness is it takes practice. It takes practice. It takes intentionality. It takes efforts. Maybe your prayer right now is, Lord, help me want to forgive this person. But I believe that forgiveness is how God is going to heal the world. Desmond Tutu is a, uh, a huge, huge person in the apartheid, um, like the ending apartheid, the, the, he was a, uh, an activist. He said, forgiveness is nothing less than the way we heal the world. Jesus has a better future for you, one where the pain you've experienced can be transformed into something good and beautiful. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time to, to be together. I pray, Lord, if there's been anything that's been brought on someone's heart, um, that you would give them the courage to step forward, to, um, to bring that before you. God, this isn't some perfect process. It's a messy difficult thing and we know that the spirit lord you have to work in us but god i don't want anyone to be sitting with hurts for their whole life to to have wounds from the past disrupt the good future you have for them thank you for giving us an example on the cross and now as we look to your example and you tell us to forgive as you've forgiven us, give us the courage and strength to do so. Pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.